Good afternoon, collectors. Welcome to Layton's Loft, our, oh no, uh, maybe fourth episode of 2021, but we're absolutely uh, able to uh, gamble. Apparently you're right, because you got a correct thing there. Yeah, we're able to drink. Yeah, exactly. We're able to drink legally. Uh, I believe we're able to rent a car. All sorts yeah, yeah. of stuff with the age of our show. Bordering on 30 and some tough decisions in life coming up. <laughs> we might be turning 30. Yes, we might be turning 30. <laughs> we're close. I said. Hey, what's up, Chef? Ricky, Ernie, Justin, Brad, and the rest of the gang. Thanks for joining us on Layton's Loft, our weekly podcast. You can find us every Wednesday starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Layton's Loft Facebook page. Of course, if you do want to tune in to our YouTube page, excuse me, our YouTube channel, and find us under Vintage Breaks, you can do that as well under YouTube.com slash Vintage Breaks. But, Lou, if I'm not mistaken, if you want to qualify yep. for the seven prizes we're going to give away, do you need to participate in comments on Layton's Loft Facebook page? Yes, it's a little tricky, but Layton's Loft Facebook page will get you there on the Vintage Breaks Facebook page. But there are two streams going right now. One has just the loft. The other has that and the uh, X split for the break later tonight. Same thing on uh, YouTube. Look for the YouTube channel with just Layton's Loft on it. And you'll see the other one with the chats on the side. And that's that'll be for a little later when we get off the air. You've got to be on one of those channels commenting there. Uh, Dougie Fresh, birthday boy today, is uh, keeping track of all the names uh, for our giveaway after the show. Happy birthday, Dougie. And uh, once again, welcome, everyone, to the program. You know, I'd say there's a lot going on in the hobby since the last week. But that would be an understatement because there's a lot been going on in the hobby in the last 24 hours let alone in the last seven days. So if you're in the hobby as someone who does it passively and collects, if you're, do, if you're in the hobby as someone who more does it as an investor, if you're in the hobby as someone who's like a hybrid, like myself, who does this for a living, but then also does this as someone who's a collector slash investor, um, you know, lots to be interested in and to follow, uh, you know, right now. And we're going to talk about some of those things uh, today on the show. Um, even though I guess it's related and unrelated to the hobby, uh, we are going to talk about um, MLB lack of, uh, you know, anyone being inducted. And the reason why I say, um, you know, of course it impacts the hobby, but it really would have impacted the hobby more if one or two of the folks would have got in because then all of a sudden their rookie cards would have become coveted in PSA 10, like the key rookie, depending on if it was Barry Bonds or Kurt Schilling or whatever the case may be. And so that did not happen this time around. And I'm sure there's people out there, Lou, who are building up their stash of, like I yeah. said, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, whatever the case may be. Excuse me. Uh, and so uh, just very interesting. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff and more, uh, you know, on the show today. Um, you know, real excited to be able to, uh, you know, talk about that. Um, and then I also wanted to show off, um, you know, very briefly, uh, the first place prize. I don't know if you can see that okay. Oh, there we go. On the desktop. There we go. Yep. So check that out. I wanted to show some hobby love today to the community, uh, directly from me to you guys for, uh, you know, helping to make this Layton's Loft podcast even viable, even possible. Um, and so this was a Nelly Fox rookie. Uh, that I have here in the loft that as I was, you know, straightening up, I'm like, you know, it's not gradable, Lou. 
right? Yep. It's not like super high grade, but it's definitely like a nice middle of the road example. And so, you know, we're talking about some hobby love. I figured who's going to appreciate it more than someone in our community today. This is going to be first place. So if you're tuned in afterwards, enjoying us on Apple or Spotify and you're digging what you're hearing, we appreciate the love. But if you want to win one of the prizes that we give away each and every week live on our show, which is a little bit different than most podcasts, you do need to tune in live. And you can find us once again on Facebook under Layton's Loft. That's L-E-E, excuse me, can't even spell my name, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N apostrophe S. I was just so excited. Um, you know, and, and so anyway, uh, I know that if I won a Nelly Fox rookie, that I'd be happy. And and for me, you know, I've seen a lot. I've collected a lot. And like the Nelly Fox rookies, there's just something about Nelly. He passed away. If you want to look it up, Lou, he passed it away at a relatively young age. He's, a, he's kind of a difficult autograph. Hey, what's up, Harry? Nick, you're on the right page as far as I know. What's shaking, Danny? Kev, what's going on? Anthony, thanks for joining us. Hey, what's up, Chris Coe? Oh, he died in 75, but it doesn't give me his age here. Give me a second. I'll run that. Oh, yeah, so if, he died, if he died in 75, my guess is, Lou, well, here's the thing. He was born. He's 47 years old. Yeah, he was born in, you know, he was born in 27. So the thing is, that's a young man, Lou. Hi, Susan. Um, and, and collecting um, started to blossom certainly a little bit in the 70s, but a lot more, let's say, from 75 to 85 than 65 to 75. So point being, Lou, is that, you know, he's not an easy single sign baseball. Um, oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And I remember a uh, shout out to my friends at Leland's and Hef. You know, he's an autograph expert. I remember getting a Nelly Fox, like, signed card or a signed ball. And I said, oh, why is he so tough? And, you know, he told me he liked him as a guy. He was a guy's guy, apparently. Um, but, uh, you know, it was always a tough signature. And uh, we're going to give this away um, courtesy of Just Collect and Vintage Breaks. First place today will get the Nelly Fox rookie, 51 Bowman. He was almost a uh, Leighton's Loft trivia question, because if I'm not mistaken, I think I came across the other day, he was the first White Sox to win an MVP. Oh, get out of here. First member of the White Sox to win an MVP, I believe. Someone can check me on that, but I, I almost put it in my list of uh, Loft trivia here. Um, thanks for mentioning that, Kev. Uh, if you want to give a shout out, Joe Piznoski has a nice series of guys who should be in the hall. Not sure if you're familiar with him, Lou. Uh, no, but I'll look him up. Yeah. So we now have a new nickname. Apparently, it's no longer just L Train; it's Leeton. If uh, L E E. Like uh, so um, anyway, folks, the other seven prizes, Dougie, if you're listening, um, are going to be as follows. Second place, we'll get a Bam spot. That's a Break of Maniacs appreciation promo spot. For those of you that don't know, you can't buy them. You can earn them. You can win them. Uh, maybe you can find them like, you know, Pokemon out in the wilderness, like Pokemon Go, like Crosby does. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, uh, they're going to be all put into one list. And I think the uh, promotion ends at the end of uh, the big event, which is at the end of February. We'll be giving away a $1,500 break credit to VintageBreaks.com. Uh, totally for free. Um, and all you have to do is be tuned in, have a chance to win some of these. Excellent. Uh, Next prize is going to be uh, in order um, 1965, 1969, and 19. 
uh, excuse me, 1967, 1965, and 1969 Tops Baseball separate spots, and then two $10 break credits that will round out the, ten, excuse me, the seven prizes um, that we're giving away on Layton's Loft today, courtesy of Just Collect, Vintage Breaks, and our friends at Otia Sports. Harry's here. And Harry, I want to thank you for the uh, note that you put up on Vintage Breaks. I think it was Buy, Sell, and Trade, which is basically your concerns about the hobby and some things that were bothering. We talked about it on the show. Was it last, last week? Last week. Yeah, I thought it was a great episode, Lou. It came out, came out really well, and it, it made for really good uh, – you know, it made for a really good. Um, uh, I was reading Monty's uh, about spying on the neighbors. It would be kind of funny if all of a sudden, like, all hell broke loose in my neighbor's backyard, ended up being an incident. You know, it really helped ratings here at Layton's Loft. I should go talk to them about that. I got to get J5 to call them and have them come out on the porch or something. Oh, man. Did you hear about the job? You know, it's funny. It's not even on my list I'm referring to over here. Um, did you hear about the job that J5 did with the set break? Unbelievable. He oh. had. No, tell the me big look, the big 2003 tops chrome black refractor set break. So, you know, I'm stressing them out. I'm like, hey, J5, do you have that free spot that we gave away with the promotion with Darren Rebell? Shout out to him from Action Network. And then two minutes later, I don't hear from him. I'm like, hey, J5, do you have the free spot that we gave away to Buster from, you know, talking shop with him and our friend Ben? And then, like, before he could even answer, I said, you know, J5, there was another one we gave away, like, earlier and like I just kept hitting him left and right like a boxer. Yeah. And um, not only did he have everything, uh, you know, lined up uh, great, um, but I thought the way that uh, you know his vision of presenting it, and really he was the only one who had known who the winner was, so he could have the phone number queued up. Um, and you know we mixed in some of that good old Bulls music from the '90s that introduced yeah. Michael Jordan. That was kind of fun. <laughs> um, but really, it was a good old time, and and you know we had a lot of folks Lou watching. So obviously, not everyone watching was in the break. Um, but we thought we thought we, we thought that it made for good entertainment. We hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, I came across the link. I just haven't. Got, I got to go back and check it out there because that that was quite a win, right? I mean, God, uh, what, what about seventy five thousand dollars? Seventy five thousand dollars. And uh, I've spoken with Rob since. You know, we're in the process of talking through the adoption. Uh, you know, paperwork. And so that, you know, Rob's going to bring me aboard, you know, full-time family members so that, you know, my first gift will hopefully be the LeBron James Black Refractor PSA 9 to yours truly. Nice. Um, you know, that would be great. Um, so anyway, uh, in hobby news, I wanted to run like a, a hot take here uh, for a quick few minutes. Um, glad you enjoyed that, Daniel. Um, fractional ownership, super hot. Uh, two noteworthy items uh, along the lines of cards in fractional ownership. PSA 10 Michael Jordan, I believe it was either on Rally or Collectible. They received an offer of $260,000 for a buyout, which was like 100-something percent you know, higher than it was just a few months ago. Yeah, well. And, the, the well, the users declined it because you, you have to just get 65%, I believe, to decline and they declined it because there's going to be one that's going to be in our friends at Golden Auction sell for probably three hundred thousand plus. Oh, so, so they have to wait for the price. I, I don't. Yeah. So so they passed. And so it's interesting. Um, I want to give everyone's thoughts on this. You know, please I, drop I it. Ask in. A question about it, though. Please. Was there a lot of discussion among the shareholders? In other words, was there a little bit of? I, I hesitate to use the word, but was there a little bit of politicking going on? Were some uh, fractional uh, holders? Telling others, let's wait for this next auction. Let's not. Take I mean, just like anything else in life, like where there's money at stake, I'm sure there's influence. Yeah. 
So I don't know exactly where that appeared, Lou. Great question. And it's not um, a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing because, again, someone who knows the industry who would say we might as well wait for this break, that would be good information for the other shareholders who maybe weren't thinking along those lines. To totally agree with you. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why, Lou, they do limit. Uh, thanks, Brad. Um, that's one of the reasons why, uh, what's up, Russ? They do limit the amount of shares in some cases you could buy, so you can't necessarily influence it, you know, substantially. Um, All right. You know, yeah. uh, you know but, I, but I would say that I do think it's healthy for the marketplace, but I, I wanted to mention, so I was uh, playing some tennis this morning, and my buddy was playing before me. He's a card guy, you know, card collector, and, uh, you know, he was saying to me, and I was curious, what's folks' opinions of this, whether it be they know enough about cards to comment or they've just seen other industries, he has a little bit of fear of like there's this tulip mania going on where, yes, I know there's institutional money coming in, but it just yeah. can't be that things that sold 90 days ago or 120 days ago or six months ago sold for X and now they're selling for 3X or 1.5X or 6X. And no, and so, you know, I listened to what he had to say. And, and so um, I had my own thoughts on that, Lou. I didn't know what the best way in terms of a format, you know, uh, is to present um, – uh, you know, information on the topic because, of course, I would imagine folks would like to know what you have to say about it and what the fellow community has to say about it and, um, you know, what my two cents on it are. So, you know, what do you think the best way to go about a discussion? Uh, 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 well, people can just go People can just go through the comments here. If someone has, if you know, I can post up the, a link to get in the show if someone wants to come in, like a Zoom call and come in and talk to us about that. If you want that, that kind of input from people. But just in the discussion thread, we can do that as well. Yeah, listen, that's great. What up, Chef? Thanks for joining the party. Um, so, you know, in regards to uh, – oh, interesting. So Chris Coe just said there isn't a forum for their shareholders to discuss in the chat, like on Rally, for example. Yeah. Um, what's up, Minnesota Husker? Uh, you know, I'm surprised at that. But I have no doubt that it will be an upgrade for them at some point in the future. Yeah. I mean, there has to be some sort of way for them to discuss because they have a shared interest, right? <laughs> Pet rock. <laughs> so the question the question is whether institutional money is driving the, the surge in hobby right now? Well, I mean, I, there's no doubt that it is because, you know, these folks are acquiring assets that are either going to be put away in a fund or they're being offered through fractional uh, ownership. And more question is, you know, do you yourself – um, whether it be a collector, the investor, the hybrid, are you asking, hey, you know, do I need to take a step back? Things are too crazy for me. I think there's a little bit of, I'm, I have a fear of, of, you know, this tulip mania, which is, hey, just everyone's missing out and things are just going to keep going up for no, you know, rational reason whatsoever. Um, uh, or is it really that supply and demand is healthy and, you know, it's going to be here forever? Um, you could just to play devil's advocate, you could say, hey, well, once these institutions lock up all the, the assets, uh, you know, is there going to be a continued upward trend when, you know, there's still, there'll still be other, uh, you know, not every Jordan rookie or not every mantle is going to be controlled by a fractional ownership or by a fund. So, you know, once the, the money, the profits are taken, kind of like on the stock market, they, don't things establish like a new, a new either be low or, or a high? So I would imagine this case, potentially a low when profits are taken, a high as things are keep going on up and up, um, but it is. Uh, sorry, hold on for one second, Lou. We got uh, breaking news here in Pokemon. Oh, Pokemon uh, news. 
<laughs> J five was telling me about this before the show. Yeah, well, it's it's very it's very real here, and it's you know he just sent me like an extremely long text, so and we should have him come on here and talk. If oh Chris is if Chris is watching, Chris Co, if you could get on the Layton's Law Facebook page or the Vintage Breaks Facebook page with our show, because I haven't seen his comments come up in our comments. Uh, I'm curious, these fractional shares, are they limited to the price that's set on them or can you buy and sell them individually? In other words, you find a buyer who's going to pay a little premium for it. Are you allowed to do that? You can do that after it, it, it sits on the shelf for 90 days and there's a trading period. Yeah. And then I believe you, you can do it through their platform, um, which, is, which is really cool. So on the one hand, I think where it's really good, where the industry is really getting crazy and someone might say, I'm going to sit out, especially the investor, is on the really high-end cards that are going to be ripe for fractional shares. And so, but it's an ability to get in at a fractional price as opposed to paying the whole ticket for one of these expensive cards. So you can get into the market a little bit and ride the rocket a little bit without going nuts. You can just buy a fractional share of something. But my question is, how do we predict the resale market for these fractional shares going forward? You know, because institutions are going to buy these up and it's going to become a closed market pretty quickly, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like anything else, supply and demand. So, you know, uh, Lou, if you're not able to buy a Jordan 9 or 10 rookie anymore because you can't afford it, all of a sudden a share of one becomes really appealing to you, both as, you know, someone who wants to invest or as a collector. Um, but I'm guessing if you're buying a fractional share, you're buying it largely as an investor. I mean, there, there's probably some ownership. Uh, well, I'd like to see data. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to say I, I know because I don't. I, I, I tend to agree with you, but I also think that, like anything else in life, right? Like people, it's like a fear of missing out. So you know, are people really investing at that point, Lou, or they're just hopping on the mania of wanting to get in? And there are those that, hey, I'm just never going to own a Magic Bird rookie at a ten, so I want to own a hundred dollars worth. Which I just yeah. think is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. At a hundred something like that, I guess if you get some ownership value, if the, if that presents ownership value to you, and you're not an investor, okay, you know, to each his own. I'm guessing a majority of the people are looking for a little bit of a profit. So again, it becomes a question of what is the resale market going to be like, and is it going to continue to go up? And Chris Co chimed in. Thanks for coming over, Chris. I appreciate it. Uh, basically, they acquire the asset, then they do a purchase op and give the seller a deposit. They didn't yeah, Chris and I were talking about that offline. Um, you know, it's more about, you know, once again, uh, are you okay with not having the asset under your control? And I would tell you that the way the world's moving with digital assets, with crypto, it just seems like things are here to stay. So you don't have to like it. You don't have to participate. I'm just suggesting truly as a collector, because you're, you're not going to have, uh, you know, the budget to afford some of these cars, which are going to be socked away for, who knows how long in some of these institutional type uh, investment vehicles, um, you know, it, it's a great opportunity to have a few shares. And then, um, you know, you can actually, as you said, Lou, make some money from it because there's, I mean, really we see consistent and that's the other card I was going to cover. The magic bird um, PSA 10 received a buyout offer of like 720,000 or so on collectible uh, the app, you know, the fractional share app. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, it's just, it's crazy um, how like 60 days ago, people were talking about it a little bit. And now there's like news every day about fractional ownership. Yeah. 
So who's do, who's managing the ownership groups? In other words, are these names in the industry, or can you set up your own fractional ownership group? Oh, sure. So uh, you know, I looked into it a little bit, and yeah, there's a bunch of red tape, meaning you, you there's a bunch of lawyers that you need, um, SEC filings and such. Uh, so you know, you could, for example, you could do it if you wanted to, Lou, yep. with you, me, and two of our buddies, right? Like that's you don't need to set up like a company or a corporation or get SEC, you know, approval for that. But once you want to start taking in massive amounts of money, fractionalizing, offering shares, you can do it legally, but there's a way to do it. Um, and if you also want to do it in such a way where people can trade the shares, that's why they're not allowing them to trade for the first 90 days or so, because that's that's not like rally or collectibles decision. That's the SEC's decision. That's how that's how the rules work. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's just really interesting um, that it's become so, so hot at the same time when institutions are coming in and buying assets to put them away, a lot of uh, it's, it's lightning in a bottle to me, really wild. Yeah, I would like to see, I would be more comfortable getting into a situation where I knew the people who are managing the group. Like, for example, if one of the companies in the industry or in the hobby right now wanted to do several of these, I'd be more, I'd be less leery of that than I would be in an individual or group that I don't know. Totally uh, agree with you, Lou. Um, so let's switch gears for a minute to baseball. Because in, you know, Hall of Fame news, it appears as though uh, no one, no player, no one is going to be elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame this year. It's unbelievable. It's, it's just, it's so aggravating. It's so aggravating from the standpoint, I watched Major League Baseball shoot themselves in the foot last year because July 4th, they should have been playing baseball. That should have been opening day last year. And they got into all this union and ownership hassle and they put the date off, and they had the short season, and baseball would have done itself a great favor by opening on July 4th, and just it would have been great for marketing. To go into this offseason with baseball hurting the way it is from a, from a standpoint of just marketing and just attention span and not elect Hall of Famers, it's incredible. It's just, and I know the writers aren't necessarily involved in the business of baseball, but it's, it's just incredible that baseball would miss yet another opportunity uh, to regain some interest in the sport. How, how can you do this? And by the way, take a look at this ballot. There aren't, there isn't a hall of famer on that ballot. That's what you're telling me. I mean, I've got four that are shoo-ins on this ballot and I've got maybe a fifth one that I, that I would vote for. I mean, I don't know enough, so I don't want to comment, but I, I agree with you from the sense of, if you had to say to me, could there be a minimum of one? I think you could have a minimum of a few. So it's clearly, you know, it's outside stuff. It's not just stats that are impacting this. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, the four, I have four that should be in, and they're all they're all non-baseball related. There's Bonds, Clemens, I think Manny should be in, and I think Schilling should be in. And then non-baseball related, you cannot argue that Clemens and Bonds are Hall of Famers. You simply can't. There's at least two Hall of Famers on this ballot. It's just ridiculous that they're not in the Hall of Fame. And Manny, I can understand. We can go back and forth. But Manny was one of the greatest hitters, right-handed hitters of all time. And Schilling, we can have our battles about that as well. Uh, and I understand, you know, it's, and it's, a, it, I guess it depends on what you think the Hall of Fame should be. For me, it's a place where you tell stories. And you cannot tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds. You cannot tell it without talking about Roger Clemens. You can't do it with talking about Manny or Kurt Schilling either. And when it comes down to players, a lot of times, like, for example, another guy that a lot of people should, should think should be in the hall, Jeff Kent. It's like Jeff Kent was a hell of a player. Tell me a Jeff Kent story, right? 
There's no yeah. There. there is no there is no stories about Jeff Kent really. No, or, it, or it, not not widely known. I don't want to diminish him. He was a hell of a player. I love Jeff Kent, but there is no Jeff Kent story that you want to tell the next generation of fans or your kids or your grandkids when you bring them to Cooperstown. These guys, Bonds, Clemens, Manny, Schilling, there are plenty of stories to tell. And by the way, tell them all. Tell about the steroids. Uh, you know, I think the whole Kurt Schilling thing is a little ridiculous if you want. <coughs> Excuse me. But you put them in the hall, you stand your grandkid up in front of the plaque and you tell them how great these players were, but you know, performance enhancing drugs were, were part of the story here and part of that era. And I'm in the Ken Caminiti camp myself, where I believe 75 to 80% of the players were using in that era. And there was still two guys who hit 70 homers. There was McGuire and Bonds. That was it, right? You know, the, these guys were still the best within their era. Totally agree with you. Um, you know, I just think that it would have been baseball's best interest to have at least one person in because all of a sudden you now have a Hall of Fame class. You know, you have all the fanfare that comes with it. Yeah. Uh, you especially, know, so on. especially because you left them out for non-baseball reasons. It's it's just incredible. No, I I, I agree. Um, so you know, do you think that next year? there's going to end up being multiple or do you think that there could be, because I don't know the class for next year. Well, next year, uh, David Ortiz and A-Rod. Okay. Join the but A-Rod, of course, is ultra controversial. He's, he's not getting the first time. And listen, if you're going to go, if you're going to go a hard line on steroids, you can't, you can't bring D David Ortiz into the hall of fame either. If you're going to go hard line on steroids. And again, can you tell the story of baseball about David Ortiz? I don't think you can. So, so is it conceivable, Lou, this is a great question, has it ever happened two years in the Hall of Fame history of baseball where no, no. one's been elected? No, I went through it. I went through it before the show. We were talking about it, and uh, the years, uh, in fact, they were pretty far apart. 2013, 96, 71, 60, 58, so I guess that's two years apart, uh, 50, 46, 46, and 45, so there were two years in a row there. But that's oh, there were? Yeah. You said 46 and 45? 46 and 45, yeah. All right. So, I mean, it's been it's been some time. Uh, you and know, Ben's right. There's going to be an induction. So, Major League Baseball gets a gets a pass because – Oh, that's true. Very good point, Ben. Last year will be – they'll have – I don't know if that, what, what the Hall of Fame weekend will look like in Cooperstown because if you've ever been to Cooperstown, it's the last place you'd want to be in a pandemic, pandemic with 100,000 people. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, shout out to Chris Brown on YouTube. He threw out there, uh, agree or not, Mark Burley, Helton, Andrew Jones, Roland, Schilling, and Miskell all should have gotten in, in his opinion. Uh, that's bigger than my list, but yeah. that's big. well, I it's, it's bigger than zero, that's for sure. Yeah, I had those four. I would have voted Clemens, Bonds, Manny, and Schilling, and I would have voted Gary Sheffield on that list. And I would have leaned towards uh, Andrew Jones. I would have liked Andrew Jones in that situation, but I can't quite do it. I don't think he's quite a Hall of Famer either. Uh, terrific player. But I, there's a lot of players on this list that are terrific players, but I'm not sure they're Hall of Famers. So what do you think the likelihood next year of no one getting in is? Second uh, year in a row. Zero. Because, first of all, Jeter's going in, right? Jeter's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and uh, – uh, A-Rod is controversial. A-Rod won't get in on the first ballot, but it's the last ballot for Bonds and Clemens, too. So they well, that's what I mean. Putting aside, sorry. So in other words, this year's vote happened. No one knew's getting in. Mm -hmm. So not counting the summer. I mean, next year, the new vote. is. What do you think the likelihood of another class having no one in it, newly elected, is? 
Oh, I, I again, I think it's zero. Oh, you do? Okay. I, I think it's, it's zero. And why do, you think, why do you think it's zero, Lou? Uh, Derek Jeter. Okay. Why would why would you not vote Jeter in? Sure. No, no, no. I, I understand. That's so right. outside of outside of Jeter, can you see can you see uh, yeah. you know anyone else getting in? Um, you know, in the class. Oh, no, I'm not Jeter. Who was I saying? It was it was Ortiz and uh, who's the other guy? A Rod. Ortiz and A Rod. That's why you yeah. found me for a loop, and I was trying to just. Yeah, you know, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got, I got confused on the years there. So yeah, I guess it's possible because A Rod and Ortiz are two tough votes right at this point. It's just a matter of whether the Baseball Writers Association is going to give up on Bonds and Clemens at this point. Yeah. They're not going to give up on, they're not going to give up on Manny. They're not going to sure. give up on Schilling. They're going to block Manny and Schilling for whatever reasons they're going to block them for. No one else was close enough to, I mean, a lot of people want Omar Vizquel in. I'm on the fence about it. Scott, uh, uh, Scott Rowland as well. I'm on the fence about that as well. I don't think anyone else is close enough to make it next year. So yeah, it's entirely possible. But it depends. I don't know how people see Ortiz. I mean, there was that test. It was one of the tests. Uh, he was revealed in the test that was supposed to be confidential. He's disputed it all along. So, you know, I don't know where people are on David Ortiz in terms of PEDS as opposed to uh, to uh, Clemens or Bonds. I guess we have to find out. Um, you know, with it being Ortiz and with it being A-Rod, uh, you know, do you think that there's a there's a chance, a legitimate chance, yeah. where there could be two years in a row where no one gets elected? Ortiz has the the performance enhancing drugs things. Plus, he's a DH. There's still a little reticence about putting DHs in the Hall of Fame as well. Sure. Well, only time will tell. Uh, I'm glad that baseball uh, will have a ceremony this summer. Um, you know, I, I think uh, agreed, David. You know, Lou always says it really well very eloquently um, that, you know, you want to tell the story of baseball. And so sometimes it's going to be really, you know, everything's going to look rosy. Sometimes it's going to be a mix. These are the players that dominated the sport. And I don't know that the folks who are voting are really supposed to be judge and jury. And I'll just leave you with this thought and then we'll move on. Imagine, imagine, imagine how uncomfortable it would be that whoever's on the committee to vote, people started to turn their life into a public spectacle for even just 30 days. You know, in other words, you misspoke to a coworker. Yeah. You said something nasty at the bagel shop. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, if you did any of those things, well, you can't vote anymore. Yep. You know, and so I just, I just, I'm not suggesting that, um, you know, people are bad. What I'm saying is we're all flawed. And I don't like that. Like, like voting is okay when it's, when it's based on, even if it's not exact, like I understood right. growing up, Lou, like the college football rankings was a combination of schedule, blah, 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 blah. And there was like a little bit of math, a little bit of, you know, art, and it came together to be these are the rankings, right? Yeah. But like for baseball now, it's like this whole underground, you know, hey, we're the judge and jury, the real judge and jury. And yeah. in fact, if you let this guy in, then we're going to have, I'm of course making all of this up in conspiracy style, we're going to pull the plug on our three biggest sponsors of the Hall of Fame because, you know, you guys are a not-for-profit, but you're really going to be missing out on millions in a year. Total reality. And we've got a real strong example of it up here in Boston because we've got Dan Shaughnessy who writes for The Globe, which is on. You know, this, was like, this was like a sports center moment. Like, we were talking. 
you were as our producer and you know compadre like you that was that looks great go ahead please this is wonderful so we have dan shaughnessy up here who writes for the boston globe who is owned sure. by one of the owners of the rest red sox john henry and uh dan shaughnessy besides being a pretentious jerk uh, has real problem with Kurt Schilling, and uh, it's obviously political. Dan Shaughnessy, the first year Schilling was up for the Hall of Fame, voted for him in the Hall of Fame, gave him his vote for the Hall of Fame, and then changed his vote. Schilling, of course, has his you know his political side. Shaughnessy and the Globe don't uh, uh, don't follow along that political side, so uh, they've had a real going back and forth for the last several years. When Shaughnessy hasn't voted for Schilling and says he won't, he said today or he said yesterday. Uh, that it's not politically based, which is just an outright lie in, the, in this instance. But uh, you have these baseball writers, and trust me, I am a baseball writer, and I've hung around baseball writers, and you have these guys making judgment calls on character. Uh, have you seen some baseball writers? Have you ever hung around with any baseball writers? I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and it's just taking this to a whole nother level, and you've got these guys out of the game for, again, non-baseball reasons. And, yeah, and again, I think you put Bonds in and you tell the story. And listen, I'm not the biggest Bonds fan. I'm, I don't like Bonds all that much. I think McGuire should be in the Hall of Fame. McGuire is the Joe Namath of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Joe Namath doesn't belong in the NFL Hall of Fame based on his performance. Joe Namath belongs in the NFL Hall of Fame because you can't tell the story of the NFL without Joe Namath. You can't tell the story of the NFL without him guaranteeing a win in Super Bowl three and then going out and doing it when no one thought he could. Joe Namath was huge, and he's part of the NFL story. Mark McGuire saved baseball in 98. Mark McGuire and Sosa in the home run. Oh, I remember it well. 98 after the strike in 94. To keep him out of the Hall of Fame, and let's keep in mind, in 98, 99, there was no testing for PEDS. PEDS weren't illegal. It's, this has all come up afterwards. And it's like, these guys got to be in the Hall of Fame. And like I said, set up the plaque, put the kids in front of them, tell them the story about you know uh, all the performance-enhancing drugs and things like that. But the biggest myth, and I, I'm going on too long here, but this is a sore subject with me. The biggest myth in baseball is that we can compare errors, that we can compare Babe Ruth's 60 home runs to Roger Maris's 61, to McGuire's 70, to Bond's 73. You can't do it. Babe Ruth hit more homers than some teams in 1927 and several of the years otherwise. It's a completely different 60 homers than Roger Maris's 61 and Bonds and Clements and Bonds and uh, McGuire. Let's take the errors as it was. If you're going to if you're going to partial out all these errors, if you're going to discount people because of what was going on at the game at the time, you can't let anybody in the Hall of Fame after 1968 when they lowered the mound. How do you compare offensive statistics after 1968 to before 1968? And I don't know if you remember, you're old enough. Here in Boston, Fred Lynn went away in an offseason and came back and had this great start to a season. I forget which year it was. And he let it out that he was using Nautilus equipment. He was working out year-round. Yaz was the first guy to work out year-round. But uh, Fred Lynn was using Nautilus equipment, basic weightlifting stuff. But at the time, people were talking about it ruining the game. Yeah, no, it's pretty amazing, Lou. Everyone is uh, usually reluctant to change, whether it be in sports or otherwise. Um, but change is inevitable. And, you know, I'd like to see more of the people that I follow growing up who were, you know, because of their stats – um, should be in the hall. And then, as you said, if it's supposed to be, then it's not all rosy. Well, great. That's what I'll share with my son and you'll share with your family. Um, shout out to uh, Jim and Dom, uh, Dan, Russ, uh, Nick, Mike, uh, everyone else. Thanks for joining us today on Layton's Loft, our weekly podcast here. I've uh, been having some nice Hall of Fame discussion the last few minutes. Um, yeah. 
just to wrap up the Pete Rose thing, just to get on that, I, I wouldn't mind if the Hall broke with baseball and put him in the Hall. Baseball cannot reinstate him. He can never work in baseball again. He broke the Cardinal rule. There's just no rehabilitation for that. But if the Hall in this instance wanted to separate from Major League Baseball, they normally don't. But if they wanted to separate and put him up for a vote, I wouldn't object to it. I'm not, you know. I, I think, think that would be interesting. It would be a nice way to get Shulis Joe Jackson in the Hall of Fame as well. Exactly. Uh, and maybe some of these other players, Lou. Um, yep. You know, but uh, I guess only time will tell. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's a bummer. Uh, you know, I think that it would have been great, um, you know, to have at least a couple guys to get in. If nothing else, Lou, for Sports Talk Radio and for our friends and, and you know, fellow Breaking Maniacs to discuss – the notion of, hey, that guy shouldn't have got in. It should have been in someone else, but now it's no one. And it it just makes me feel like baseball thinks it's on this mantle and it could do no wrong. And it's just absurd to me because clearly, I mean, I'm sorry, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being an entrepreneur. You're charging $11 for a beer at a game, you know, to be fair, when, these were, when there were games, right? So, you know, I just, I don't really, and now you can gamble in, I don't know how many states in the country. And so... Like, like times change. So just, just tell the story for what it is. Show the equipment if you want. Show a cork bat. Show a whatever, a, you know, a needle if you have to be that extreme, you know, um, uh, or whatever the case may be. But uh, speaking of Hall of Famers, I wanted to do something fun related to the Hall. So, Lou, I've been wanting to open a 92 Bowman baseball pack for a little bit now. It's a big set. Um, very, uh, very interesting because a lot of rookies – but they're dressed in kind of like funky clothing throughout. Oh, um, but we're, we're going to put up a bounty on either a Mariano Rivera or a Mike Piazza rookie. And if we pull either one, Lou, that'll be for my you know, little collection with Kroz. Yep. But if we pull one today, right here live on the loft, we're going to give away a $50 break credit. Oh, nice. That's a nice bounty. So I want folks cheering with me. This is not like, you know, you get on the sidelines. Well, it's a few dollars. It's a pretzel. It's a popcorn. I don't know. 50 bucks. If we pull either one, we will give away a $50 break credit to vintagebreaks.com. Nice. See what we can pull it. Then we're going to talk about some of the cards and the prices, you know, what's going on in the hobby just after this. Folks, if you want to tune into Vintage Breaks, they'll be going live after this at 5.30 till 9.30 Eastern Time. Vintage Breaks North from our main office. And then Sir Charles and Vintage Breaks West will be going live from 9.30 to 1 a.m. this evening. All right, Lou. We're going to run All through right. like this. Let's see. see if i got any more Pokemon news. <laughs> whoa, whoa, I don't know what just happened, but John's texting. I'm going to, as soon as this show is over, Lou, I'm going Pokemon style. Uh, see, so as soon as it's over, so I'm not going to know because John teased Oh, me. all right. Listen, we'll, we'll, we'll read it. I'll tell you what, it'll make good content. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll investigate it right after this. Yeah, I Jay like that. Bart teased me. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Dude, that's hysterical. Mike Hampton, like, I mean, the guy's like posing with a picture-perfect smile. Throwing the ball up like, oh, hey, it's just amazing. Yeah, no, don't do that. Speak, speak of the devil, Clemens. <laughs> Grace was a great hitter. Pokey Reese, do you remember him? <laughs> yes, I remember Pokey. By the way, who the heck is feeling a ground ball <laughs> in full clothing in, like, best case is that's, that's, like, old person sneakers, but I think those are shoes. Like, that's not a good outfit, Lou. That's part of the reason why I wanted to open this. I'm going to actually put that on social media. 
I want to. I want to know the three minutes. I want to hear the three minutes before that photo was taken. Like he's Pokey's going out to his car, right? He's. Wait, I'm sorry. So Dwayne Singleton's going out for a nice dinner, and I, first of all, that's like horrendous, horrendous yep. style of V, whatever that is. Oh, oh, you guys wanted to take a shot, and it's going to be my first ever ball card. Yeah. Let me not wear anything baseball related, and you have a bat. Awesome, dude. Oh, he threw the jersey. He threw the shirt over. That's that's an undershirt for a baseball. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> No, the Pokey Reese one. What was that? He was walking to his car, and the photographer said, "I got to get the shot, and I got to get it today." I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Randy Myers. I wonder if this year, if all the major leaguers busted the chops of the mine. I'd love to get a story on that, Lou. Yeah. Like you know, imagine like a bunch of the, the veterans are hanging out at the bar. Did you hear what those idiot kids did? You know, posing for you know shots of the '92 yep. Bowman cards that are coming out by Tops, bunch of idiots. Yep. Like, I would love to have a, like an inside story though. I'm gonna have to post something on Twitter to see because you know a lot of these kids who never made it, they can just have regular jobs and be like, "Yep, yep, I remember, I remember." <laughs> I don't know, and it's like maybe you're numb to it by the time you're a major league ball player. But if I'm posing for a baseball card, I want to be in my damn uniform. Are you kidding me? I would think so. There was especially, there, the young, especially the young kids. Isn't there an old Bobby Orr? It's not Bobby Orr, but there's an old Bruins card in that era. Was it McKenzie? Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Forget about it. Stop the presence of room. <laughs> Is this his prom shot or like his school photo? What the F is this? Oh, my God. Greg Blazer. That's absurd. I'm out on top of that. He has a mullet. I mean, so like it's not enough that he has an absurd photo for a card. It's his senior portrait. Oh my god, this is absurd. It looks like you go to a carnival and they say we can turn your picture into a baseball card. I'm, I'm having like, a lot of fun opening this, by the way. There was a I do, I do miss breaking, folks. If if you mix if you miss the L train breaking, tell the office to allow me to break more when I come in. They don't we want L train. No, they don't. I have to like I got to negotiate, I, you know, to be oh, fair, I probably wanted to, you know, break the fun stuff. Bobby Burrell, you're, you're exactly right. There was a card in the Bruins era with uh, Phil Esposito, and he was wearing a Bruins jersey, and I believe the slacks were plaid. He had plaid slacks underneath him, I think, and you could oh. see him at the bottom of the card. Uh, I did not know that. Let's see if I can find it now. Interesting. Um, Mark Carrion, he was a decent hitter. Uh, Brian McRae, very fast. I got saw a Yankee for a second. I got excited. Danny Tartable, Keith Miller. All right, so no dice, but I did have a good time discussing those lovely outfits. Oh, my God. There were a couple of years. I got to get it up. Hang on. I got to try to figure out how to. Yeah, Chris, uh, thank you. I, I'd like to break 92 Bowman anytime. It's It's really a lot of fun. Um, good question, Dom. Lou, I wonder if it's a matter of did Bowman not have an agreement to use logos or what the deal was? Because I, I couldn't see any other reason. But, I mean, the major leaguers had, had their logos on their uniforms. I don't know. Well, that makes sense, right? That would make sense. It might, yeah. might have been a, a, a properties issue. Very well might have been. There you go. Well, we got Greg and Pokey right there surrounding Nelly. I'm enjoying just seeing that little shrine we have. Okay, so I gotta I gotta see if I can share this for you here. 
There we go. There's a Phil Esposito. And this is one of several years where he's wearing pants under his under his uniform. Oh, I love it, Lou. Yep. And Bobby, thank you so much. I couldn't remember. Dude, what that's awesome. Thanks, Bobby B. <laughs> that's great. Hey, Lou, can you get Dougie to hook up Mr. Bobby Burrell uh, with a BAM spot? I love when people can do that kind of stuff. They share us a little, little, little nook and cranny. You know what I mean? Dougie, I can see you. Raise your hand if you get him lined up. Yeah, that'd be great. He's got it. He's all set. Awesome. What up, Andy? Thanks for joining us today. Um, so uh, before we talk about collecting, um, I wanted to run uh, a fun set break special. Normally, we do not run live specials for vintage breaks while I'm live here. Um, but, you know, I dig it, Lou. I figure, like, we're in this this time of baseball. I feel like people got a little short change with uh, – um, uh, you know, with the Hall of Fame. And we're going to uh, announce a very small one. Um, but for the next six folks who buy any set break spot at all, Lou, starting now, so 515 at vintagebreaks.com, mm -hmm. you're going to have a chance to win one of six prizes. Pretty cool. So you yeah. buy any set break at all, Lou. These are the six prizes. If you don't mind helping out Dougie because I can't type anything in the chat. Um, it's the next six entries, Lou. I would like to make it well, let's bring um, Dougie in so we can get this going. There here. we go, Lou. So, uh, Dougie, so it's just going to be uh, the next six entries. Uh, anyone who buys a separate spot of any kind whatsoever are going to have a chance to win one of six prizes. It's going to be a 1967, 65, and 69 tops baseball separate, and then three BAM spots. Um, and I would say uh, I would like it to be six different people. So that way we can uh, allow uh, other folks to participate. Ted says we're not wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to, you know, really He's comment. deny. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm wearing pants, so. The, uh, I hope so, Dougie. You're in public public view there, you know. But, but that's the nice thing about working at home, you know, chef. Uh, you can really envision whatever you'd like, and we're just going to leave it up to – to the viewers, you know what's going on. Um, I will so. say, I, I rarely do the serious show with pants on. I, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. So, in other news, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Pokemon, uh, yep. Chef. Wow, this is interesting. Cody, so, put pants on. It's you, Cody. <laughs> oh, this is crazy. I don't even know what's going on. But basically, the guy has some un unopened Pokemon from 99. Not the first edition, but the Shadowless Base. Dougie, ask Sam. Is it Shadowless Base? That's what the guy has? Sam, is it Shadowless Base that he has? I'm sorry? They're asking about the collection of Pokemon. Shadowless Base? Uh, yeah. Yes. Base Shadow. Base Shadowless. And then apparently J5 may have offered more money than we want. We're going to have to take that up with him offline. Uh -oh. uh, J5, I'm not sure what you did there, sir. Let me, let me, let me run the numbers here, Lou. So yep. there's 48 units. Cody, quarantine? Did you come up with Oh, Jesus, criminy. He offered a lot of money. Lou, he offered like 43000 yep. for this Pokemon deal. And I love how he, he likes to tell you what he did. And then afterwards, ask, you know, hey, late, what do you think about that? It's like. I personally would have maybe chuckled me before. That's just me. Yeah, I. That's the question I have. How do I know this and you don't? 
<laughs> no, that's, that's I, oh my goodness, I can't wait to talk to Jay Pye. I mean, I know he's hawk numbers. Maybe I'm my misunderstanding, um, but very interesting. Now, this is what's kind of cool, Lou. Fresh from uh, the horse's mouth here with uh, J5 letting us know what's going on. Yep. So apparently a week ago is – so I guess he has a bunch of singles as well. This is breaking news, people. And effectively the guy doesn't want to ship it. So he's in the Northeast. He's willing to bring it to us, and we have money. Oh, he's very close, and actually. And we're willing to and we're willing to pay fair. So what we do, Lou, forget about if it's Pokemon's, if it's uh, baseball cards, if it's football. What we try to do is always establish what we think the value is. Yeah. And if you if you have a meeting of the minds there, there's a really good chance we're going to be able to work out a deal together. Unless you want a hundred percent of what something's worth, then I would tell you it's not going to be, you know, uh, we're, you know, we're not going to like reach a deal. What I didn't hear before the show was these are unopened packs. I thought, yeah, these are unopened packs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And in an open case, the, the, yeah. So how so, does one go about establishing the value of an unopened pack? You look on eBay. Oh, market price. Yeah. You just look where they're going for, and then you try to find historical data you know, so um, listen. He might have offered eighty nine thousand. I misread. I don't even understand, honestly. J five literally wrote to me like a no a novella. I can pick up that he's from New Jersey, I think. But then, but this is what J five gets me all the time. J five has these are like his typical deals. Yeah. Oh, someone from the family's in New Jersey, but the cards are in Wyoming. Oh. Okay. No, no, I love it. Like, you know, it, like, so I can already tell this is how this deal is going to be. So one of the family members is in New Jersey, but the cards are somewhere else. <laughs> so J5, like, can you tell me when the cards are here? Like when they arrive so we can meet with them and talk to them if they want to talk to us? <laughs> I didn't try to do that with a straight face, Lou. I mean, sometimes... I, I don't know what, what – like, here's the thing. I'm never going to send out money first, Lou, before getting product. I just won't do that. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know you. If I know you, it's different. Um, so when folks tell you that, I'm not sure what reaction they're hoping for. Oh, don't worry. The cards are in Arizona with the grandparents. We'll, we'll send you the money. You'll send the cards when you have a chance, and it'll just be fine. No, that's not how we do things. Is, there is tampering. We know there's tampering with cards. We've seen this time and time again. Are they tampering with packs? Are packs ever opened and resealed and things like that? Or is that a bygone era thing? No, I mean, you could, you know, certainly mess with anything. You got to be careful. Uh, I know Steve Hart, who authenticates for PSA. Uh, Pokemon po packs have heard directly from him. Like, people can reseal them, you know, all sorts of crazy, you know, they got crazy stuff going on in China, you know, and I don't mean to get political, but, yep. they, you know, they do. So I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really know what's going on over there. Just ask the um, what's going yeah, on. exactly. But I, I did want to. Uh, oh, so let's, uh, Harry. Let's see if we can help you, and then I want to talk about some hobby stuff for the last few minutes here. Lou, can you let Harry know and other Orioles fans who do you think the best uh, prospect in their organization right now is? Uh, Rushman, head the, the catcher. Rushman is head and shoulders the best prospect in the organization right now. 
I like Grayson. Oh Rodriguez. yeah, I know who you're talking about. Sure. Yeah, I like Grayson Rodriguez. He's a right-handed pitcher, and he's a he's a half step above everybody else too. Those are my two guys in the Orioles organization. I think. Uh, all right. Well, I appreciate your baseball knowledge, there, Lou, uh, and so does Harry and other Orioles fans. Um, so I've been getting a lot of texts, Lou, and emails, calls late. The market's on fire, right? Yeah. Uh huh. What should I buy? You know, or yeah. I'm thinking about buying a Jordan rookie. I'm thinking about buying a Magic Johnson rookie. I'm thinking about buying a GOAT. What should I do? Yep. Here's the deal. There's no trick. You have to do your homework. You feel a lot more comfortable when you know where prices have been, where they are now, and where you think they might go, even if you're wrong where they might go, because guessing is fun. But I want people to keep in perspective. Unless you're going to, Lou, unless you're going to take and buy multiple examples, meaning multiple copies, or you're going to take all of the dollars in your portfolio, i.e. your collecting portfolio. So whether it be your collector, your dealer, I'm sorry, your collector investor, if you're going to take all of your money and plunk it down on one card, well, then I understand the hesitancy. But if you're talking about simply just trying to time the market and you're like, hey, should I buy the Jordan rookie now? Or should I buy the Jackie Robinson card now? Or should I buy a Joe Namath rookie now? I'm not telling you cards are going to go up forever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling you that you can't make that big of a mistake buying any one card unless that's all the money you have. So don't, because I know myself, I made myself crazy and, um, you know, missed out on cards because I'm like, oh, I should get it $50 cheaper. Or $100 cheaper. Lou, I look back at some cards I should have just bought in the last 12 months alone, and I could literally make myself ill on air right now. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sharing with you not – this is not like bullshit, you know, pie in the sky. This is I lived it firsthand, and I, I take my advice now a lot better. But as I was doing it, it's kind of hard sometimes because you very much want to save money. But when I bought like that 81 OPC hockey box the other day and a couple other things – yeah, you know, the, the guy who sold it to me, he had quoted me a little bit higher on the Opeachy. I don't want to pay it. And I ended up paying it. And he was kind of like, well, hey, you know, why did you pay it? You know, because you told me you couldn't. I said, no, 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 no. I, said, I didn't say I couldn't. I said I don't want to. There's a yeah. difference. Yeah. So that's, that's what I want people to take away from today. There's a difference, Lou, if you can't versus you don't want to. Let me ask you a question. A Equally impossible question to answer because I know it's going to be case by case basis. But I think people uh, tend to look for bigger margins than they should. Like, for example, if you can get in, get in and get out of a deal with ten percent, do you do that? Well, if it's for a million dollars, sure. Yeah, <laughs> make a hundred grand. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would tell you if you said to me, "Late, you can make ten dollars, ten percent on a ten dollar card." I'd say, Lou, please don't even bother me. I'm eating my sandwich. You can yeah. keep, you know, the, you know, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. like it, it's it's. Listen, I used to get hung up on percentages, and it's funny. I just watched a video on Instagram from like the guys at Investicard who are like an interesting follow, um, and they got they did some deal with Marcus Lemonis from the Profit, which was very interesting to follow and such um, for their platform. And uh, long story short, the guy who seemed very analytical this short video was like, you know, don't focus on the dollars; it's all about the percentages. And I'm thinking, sure, when you have like a lot of money, but when you don't have a lot of money. Turning a dollar into two dollars sounds a lot better than I made a hundred percent. Like you need to make that money. So you know, 
I guess the question was more aligned. It's kind of like an equity when you're sitting there in a, in a stock and you're up 10% on the stock, you're up 15% on the stock, and you have to make the decision whether to wait for more gains or just take your profit, move on, do something else. And that can be a difficult decision. I guess it's individual to each card, right? Because each card has a different ceiling. It has a different uh, trajectory for what its price might be, right? Just like if you own stock in a hundred different companies, that's that's exactly how it is. But I would say there's a lot more emotion involved in like owning your Clemente. Where yeah. let's just say, right, like you know, Layton's got to raise five hundred bucks this weekend because I got to do some repairs at home, and then um, you know, what five hundred dollars of cards am I going to choose? This is what's this is an interesting question, Lou. So if Julie said to me, "Hey, we need five hundred dollars, and I don't have five hundred dollars, but we got to sell five hundred dollars of cards," you might say, "Hey." I'll focus on the $500 of cards I don't think can go up in value. Right. But because I have so many cards, I would actually want it to be as painless as possible to me. So I would make it $500 of cards I don't care about. So meaning even if it was $600 of cards, because I, I love cards so much, even though I have so many, I guess hopefully you can see by the look of my face, <laughs> what I mean is, is that I'm a fucking nut. And so all I'm suggesting is don't make any of this stuff make you go crazy. It's yeah. really easy to, especially Lou, and I understand this, in the face of the prices going up a lot in the last 30 days, 90 days, six months, you can feel really uneasy about spending 5000 20000 because the card used to be worth X, right? And now it's worth X plus whatever the case is. I'm just saying that as long as you're playing within the proper arena, you're likely not to go bankrupt from that as long as it's not your entire bankroll. Um and you can afford to make a mistake. You know, if you want to risk your entire bankroll on that or buy 10 copies, that's different. We should do a show sometime on, it's basically behavioral finance. I read this article about, again, the buying and selling of stocks and the cognitive biases that go into that and what stops you from buying or selling a stock or getting out from a loss at the right time. All these emotional things that are clouding your decision. And then I equated it all to baseball and prospects and just projecting players because it applies the same. It's going to apply the same to baseball cards too. You're going to sit there and go, I don't want to sell this card because it may go up 20% more than it is now. And, or I don't want to I don't want to sell this card because I'm going to take a loss and I don't want to take that loss. So you're avoiding a good decision based on the emotion of avoiding a loss. 100% uh, agree with you. Uh, I do want to cover two other topics. We have a minute left. We're going to do 30 seconds on each. So first one is Harry had mentioned HGA Holders, yes. a new grading company. Let's just put them along with some of the other new grading companies. This is what I think. If you have cards that you sent to PSA and you only do it for money, then you're not going to submit cards to these companies. But if you are submitting cards because you just want to have a 1989 Hoops Michael Jordan card holder because you like the look of it or you pulled it from a pack with your daughter, shout out to Dougie, yeah. um, or, you know, for whatever other reason or another, you just want them slabbed because you feel better with them, you know, in a piece of plastic and that it's, un you know, people can't mess with it anymore. I get that. If you're focused on the dollars and cents of it, it will be quite some time before the new companies have any sort of following where their cards will go for an amount of money that you'll feel comfortable with by rating a lot of your cards. But by all means, myself, Harry, I'm going to be trying all the companies with at least small orders to see not only um, what the cards look like in the holders, what the resale value is like, as, and what they also look like, um, you know, uh, to the, to the, not just me, but like to you folks, like, are they like SGC uh, here? Oh, by the way, I'm going to show this card off. I got 30 seconds. Speaking of basketball, NBA Top Shots coming up. Check this out, Lou. Don't How beautiful does that card look in the holder? That's good. 
It's from the 1910 time period. It's one of the first basketball cards. I don't care what this is worth. No, that's not true. If it's worth five million, Julie's gonna come up here in about two minutes to let me know we're selling. Yeah. Um, but yes, I graded it with SGC to have it slabbed, and I love the card in the holder. So um, do stuff like that. You can't lose. Last thing is NBA Top Shot. I'll be learning more this uh, next week or so, talking about it more on next week's next week um, ep- next week's episode of Layton's Loft. Uh, it's very interesting digital asset um, that they're selling millions of dollars of on a new platform. Um, called NBA Top Shots. Check it out. I'll be doing that over the next seven days. We have a really nice giveaway today, Lou, so I'd love to do it right now live on the show. Excellent. Um, And then, Dougie, if you could let the gang know if those six uh, spots filled up for the special. Oh, yeah, they did. um, Then there you go. They filled up. Thanks, everyone, who uh, participated. I'm looking forward to going uh, and finalizing a Pokemon deal after this, Lou. Um, (laughs) So, Dougie, if you want to take over, Nelly Fox. Live, too. I want to see that live. Yep. Uh, Nelly Fox is the first place. It's a really nice prize. I hope someone who wins today appreciates it as a baseball aficionado. What up, Ryan? How are you? Uh, second place was uh, BAM spot. Third, fourth, and fifth were separate spots. 67, 65, and 69. And then the last two were $10 break credits. You can give that away, Dougie. That'd be great. Lou, that was a lot of fun today. Yes, we had a blast. It covered a lot of ground and, you know, had some fun. We'll be back next week and find us on the podcast too. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify and almost everywhere else you get your podcasts. Yep. I'm going to roll the dice, uh, Dougie, and tell you how many times. Four times, my friend. Four times. All right. Four times. All right. Here we go. That's one. We don't have the random up here, but we'll, we'll get by. We believe we'll leave them. However, if it happens to go like the Nelly Fox rookie goes to Susan Rush, I'm going to question it. Uh, I, know my, I know my mom is disqualified just like I am. So it's yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't say she was disqualified. I'm just saying that, like, you know, you're going to have some people question what's going on. She came on and she commented, so she makes the list. That's what I'm thinking. Yep. You know? <laughs> All right. And I, I can verify this by taking a picture of it. So first place, Brian Cuffman. Cuff, Cuff Daddy. Daddy. Had, the guy, he must live on a horseshoe. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, Whatever island he lived in, in Arizona has a horseshoe is the center of it. Unbelievable. Second place, Ken Fickle gets the BAM spot. Uh, third place, Anthony Corbin. Fourth place, Justin Price. Fifth place, Brad Hudak. Sixth place, Ken Benowitz. Seventh place, Rocco Rosado. Congratulations, everyone. Lou, uh, one more comment uh, before we finish up here. 1K cards for kids, 1,000 packages going out to kids over the next 12 months. Uh, we have our first one is going out to uh, Ray Schulte's son, Ryan, in Maryland. I want to have a special shout-out to him. That's I don't know if he's great. watching today, um, but I told him about it. He's going to help us promote it on social media. Um, and we already got some Pokemon cards in from our community, so I'm excited uh, to start putting together. We're looking for, like, a cool – we can send them an envelope, too, but we're looking for like a cool thing that's affordable for us that we can send out to the kids, like packaging-wise. Yeah. Um, but as we have more details, we will let everyone know. And lastly, I wanted to congratulate my beautiful, intelligent uh, wife, Julie Sheldon, who is now officially, uh, I think it's called, she's counsel at her firm. So what does that mean? I do not know. But nice. I know that I get to continue to play with baseball cards for a living, uh, <laughs> both for Just Collect Vintage Breaks and um, hang out with Cross, of course, and have a great old time doing it. But she works her butt off 
Um, and really proud of her. So I want to give her a shout out. Yeah. Congratulations, Julie. Congratulations, Julie. That's I'm going to awesome. send you my 68 yeahs and I'm going to send you, I've got a Michael Jordan here that you can give out with the kids. I want to, I want to get those out to the kids. Awesome. Uh, thanks uh, very much, gang. Hope you had a good old time today on Leighton's Loft. Take it easy, everybody.